Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you, I guys didn't. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, Anna Pajajski, and this episode I spoke to trumpet maker Andy Taylor. Andy makes handmade custom trumpets from his workshop in Norwich, where I went to go and visit him and see how it's done. In the morning of my visit, Andy showed me round his workshop and took me through the process of trumpet making. I've got to be honest with you, it was totally awesome. I was completely nerding out as a little sort of trumpet geek. Um, and then afterwards, we sat down next door to have this conversation. As a result, because it was next door, you might hear some workshop noises in the background, but I think that will just help to make it extra authentic for you, my lovely listeners. Also, just a note to say that even if you're not as much of an enormous trumpet nerd as me, I think this conversation will still be interesting for anyone who enjoys music or is interested in metalworking or is just generally interested in hearing what people who do handmaking every day have to say. So let's get into it. I started by asking Andy, what does brass mean to him? Well, technically, brass is a mixture of copper and zinc in various ratios with a mm -hmm. few trace elements of other um, long-sounding complicated names thrown in for good measure. Um, what is it to me? To me, it's probably the nicest metal to work with. It's compliant. You can cut it. You can bend it. It's a pretty colour when you make it shiny. Uh, it's flexible. Um, it doesn't weigh too much. Uh anybody who has to fabricate out of steel will tell you that brass is a godsend after <laughs> other materials so yeah it's just lovely stuff to work with nice so this morning you took me on a little tour of your workshop and we went through the process of making a trumpet can you take me through the process of making a trumpet again for the listeners um is this like one of those quiz shows? You have 10 seconds. <laughs> we could do that now. if you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go for a couple of minutes instead. Yeah. Um, 
We hand make. So the only component, the major component that we buy in is the valve section. The uh, reason we buy that in is because it's a, a out-and-out engineering feat to make that. It's not a craft. It's an engineering um, piece of kit. It's a bit like buying an engine for a car. Um, it, everything has to work. It has to be 100% reliable, go up and down, and you can't do that with a hand file and a, right. and a hammer. So we buy that bit in. The rest of it is the artisan side of it, which is where we come in. Uh, the bells are made from sheet brass. That can be brass brass. It can be red brass, rose brass, gilding metal, copper, phosphor bronze, nickel silver, pure silver, um, no which we have done a few times. Really? If you can really afford it, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> The sheet thickness varies um, from 0.5 mil to a mil, depending on the specification from the customer. Um, so would they say not... to you, I want to use it for jazz and I want it to sound dark, I want it to sound yes. bazzy? Or... That's what the individual customers will come up with. Yeah. They, they have a specific requirement. This is my workload and this yeah. is what I want it to do. Um that's actually the easier bit for us because you can just basically follow the physics rules of the of the metology, and you can come up with uh, with the right uh, bell. Um, the only other bit that really makes a difference is the taper rates and the flare rate, i.e., the curve yeah. or the rate of expansion from from one end to the other. Uh, it becomes a little bit trickier when we're making for other companies uh, because we we make components for some other custom makers as well. And when they ask for something, they're giving it to us in more generic terms because they don't want a bell for one instrument. They might want it for a small production run and they might buy 10 or 5 right. or sometimes 20. Um, so we have to nail that one down a bit more. Mm. And that's when we'll get into the more traditional side of things that, um, because I don't know their customers. They know their customers, so I have to deal via us like a third party. Sure. So it, it's much easier for us to deal with direct to the customer because it's a more personal thing, uh, and you tell a lot by just talking to somebody. You, know, you don't even have to hear them play. Right. Uh, another way we make instruments is somebody will send a CD or a, or a sound file or oh, cool. something of them playing their kind of thing yeah. and said, I want this only a bit more. Nice. Or whatever it might be, okay. you know, whatever the request is. And uh, so we're listening to their CD while making instruments going, <laughs> okay, I'll sort of see where he's coming from now. Nice. You know? uh, that's another way of working. Yeah, um, so you have to have a musical ear as well as the hand yeah, skills. Fortunately, I can play an instrument as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say trumpet because I'm pretty lousy at it. Um yeah, so when we've chosen the material, uh, we have templates that we cut these um, shapes out of to form the tube. Um, because the tube is not cylindrical, um, it's tapered. Um, these um, shapes take on a... Oh, difficult to explain the shape, but imagine the trumpet bell only sort of expanded outwards exponentially. Mm. So by the time you've bent it round into a hoop it then starts to make sense yeah. so anyway the two edges have to meet uh, and we put a seam along there um, 
it's an overlap joint to make it nice and strong because a butt seam would just fall apart as soon as you hit it. Um, when we That's a stick braze for anybody who does welding or brazing. Uh, it's not soldered. It's a braze, although it is a low-temperature braze as opposed to a high-temperature solder. Again, that's getting a bit technical. But, but that's because of the materials, right? That's because of the choice of the materials, yeah. yeah. The, the materials melt at a certain point and you need to use a joining um, rod or material that melts at just a slightly lower temperature mm. than the surrounding material. And you've got some then, pretty serious flames going on in the workshop yeah, at times yeah, to do this. Yeah. Um, we actually braze using street gas. All right. Um some people might think we would use a, a, an oxygen tank and yeah. oxycetylene. That's way too hot. Um, some other makers use propane or butane mm. uh, or bottled gas, which is great. But fortunately, I have a premises on a industrial site and we've got street gas outside. Nice. So that's just what you'd have on your so hob at we, home, isn't it? It's exactly what powers your central heating yeah. at home. Yeah, it's plenty, plenty hot enough with the right equipment on the other end of it mm, cool the bell is looking a bit um how should we say rough at this point it sort of resembles a, a trumpet shape but mm -hmm. you wouldn't really want it on your trumpet <laughs> so this is where the ironing it all out bit comes and smoothing it all out on the metal shapes to and spinning it onto them to 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 form the uh, accepted sort of shape that you're used to seeing because mm. believe me you wouldn't want to see it beforehand because <laughs> it's been hammered by this stage right like hammered oh, around into hammered, its shape twisted so bent all kinds of sort yeah. of it's it's quite physical there's a lot of you know hammering mallet in muscle power involved mm. there's not too much in the way of power tools there's an air tool an air hammer used um, obviously a lathe but it's all hand operated mm. and um, there's hand files emery and stuff there's very very little in the way of power um, done it is very very much a hands-on mm. thing and why is that? Is that just because you can with brass? Uh, you can with brass. It, it It's malleable enough to do that. Uh, it sounds very corny, but there's the satisfaction of actually, you know, m making the material do what you want it to. Yeah, of course. Instead of just pressing a button and it comes <laughs> out the other end. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and um, it would be a bit... Um, wrong to sort of advertise it as handmade if it wasn't sure because you do imagine so that's just a that's just a sort of silly pride thing you know, that... <laughs> well no you're right if you're selling it as handmade you do imagine someone sitting in a workshop like with a hammer so. hammering it with yeah, their hands yeah 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 that makes sense oh. so you're turning it then and you're smoothing it all out smoothing out those hammer marks yes using sort of various iterations of tools tools yes yeah. the, Usually it involves squashing the, uh, the 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 brass between two bits of steel, whether it's the steel of a hammer and a, mm. and a, and a shape underneath it, or a finishing shape and a spinning tool. Um, you're still manipulating it with tools and stuff that are of a harder material than the brass is. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, are. so it's all about. Um yeah, trying to get the balance of the right materials properties for your tools compared to the material that you're yes. trying to manipulate. Yes. Yeah, when we've made the bell, it's straight, and if you know anything about the trumpet, you'll notice it's bent. Yeah. <laughs> it means that that, that, that 
component needs to be bent. Um, there's various ways of doing that. Our chosen way of doing it is to use a mixture of pitch, which is pretty much the same stuff tarmac and you drive on on the motorway. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's mixed with colophony resin, to be real technical here, and that's the stuff that ballet dancers put on their shoes. What? Like sticky sort it's of... It's sticky yellow A bit yellow like rosin stuff, of a violin like, or like that yeah, kind of... And, but it breaks up quite easy into powder and you can mix it in with the thing. Cool. And then um, there's a dollop of wax put into the mix <laughs> and that keeps the, the whole mixture pliable when mm. it looks like it's solid. So it will... You heat it up so that it turns into what looks like a sort of fairly thick soup. Uh, you pour it into the softened tube, remembering to bung one end up, otherwise it makes a mess <laughs> on the floor. Get it on your shoes. As, as you've seen by looking at our floor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, little, the little bung falls out the end sometimes and it all just floods everywhere. Uh, when, it's, when it's solidified, it solidifies in a way that it's, it's hard enough to keep the job the tube round but soft enough to be able to bend it rather like a plumber might use sand or a spring uh, but we use the pitch because it actually completely fits inside the tube mm. an alternative is to use ice yeah i've seen youtube videos of people using ice, ice. yeah or washing it's up not liquid just or... water though there no. it's a good dollop of fairy liquid in there that's what i, I thought. might say fairy liquid <laughs> sorry washing up detergent uh mixed <laughs> in right, with, this isn't the bbc <laughs> mixed, in, mixed in with the water uh it's the it's the washing up detergent that keeps the ice pliable and stops it from just cracking, which is what you'd expect. Because otherwise it's just like a it, brittle it, yeah, like yeah, rock inside yeah, your yeah. tube. Yeah, yeah so um, don't try that at home, kiddies, because it's <laughs> a bit messy. And I suppose as well, with your material, with the pitch, you'd pour it in warm and so the brass itself is a bit warm when you're bending it. It's not, because we let it get down to basically room temperature oh, okay. before we bend it. Um what happens is during the year, uh, in the summer, it doesn't get cool enough. All right. And in the winter, it gets too cool. Oh, no. Okay. So in the far corner of our workshop is a big tank full of water and a heater and a thermostat. No way. And But you can't really see what it is because the top foot of it is poly chips and that keeps the that keeps the temperature sure. in the water so we don't have to constantly keep eating it so any bell that's filled mm. we put it in there before we go home and then it's fresh and ready the exactly the right temperature which is 21 degrees c by the way okay. um just giving away a trade secret there to all you <laughs> other makers uh, <laughs> at 21 degrees c and it should bend perfectly okay nice that. and to bend it you do what to bend it um the accepted way of doing it is to clamp it in a in a in a special vice that has an aluminium um it's like a C section like a plumber's tube bender, if yep. you know what one of those looks yep. like. Um but that piece has been cast to be exactly the right size of the bend and a cam wheel and a big lever and you pull it around and it takes the amount of pressure that a kid could do it it's really is that easy because you're using the mechanical leverage yeah. of the lever and the cam to keep it uh, in line the c-section of the bending block keeps it straight but we don't go in for all that high-tech stuff <laughs> um we just cut out wooden blocks out of plywood or if we're really feeling um, sort of clever we'll use some oak 
Nice. Well, pine's a little soft, and the, the metal being quite hard will crush into the wood. Right. But oak's fine, and plywood is good because the, the glue in the ply actually yeah. makes it very strong and rigid. Um, and we clamp one end against one side of the wooden block we've made and literally, in your hands, uh, bend it round the, the wooden block. The big advantage of the wooden block being that you can make a wooden block in five minutes mm. and it costs nothing. Yeah. So we can adapt the bend. We can do one-off individual bends and it doesn't take very long. Whereas yeah. if you use the cam bender and the, and the C-section cast things, the tooling costs are horrendous just to bend one bell. Right. And actually, as you were showing me earlier, a lot of your trumpets have sort of custom shapes and unusual yes. bends in them. Yes, yeah. So I mean, you... we specialise in, in making stuff that's a little out, outside the box. <laughs> um, weird and wonderful shapes. Uh, you can even tell us that you want it a bit like that, but I want that curve pulled in a bit. And it's no big trouble for us to spend five, ten minutes making a wooden block for you. Yeah, awesome. You know, we can lose that in the time of making the instrument. It's not going to cost you anything. Um, whereas if you went to somebody else who has to make it you know, the the more middle production route, mm. you could be spending a couple of thousand just on a bending block. Well, yeah, that's cool. So that's the bell section finished. Yes. That then goes into your valve casing, which is the bit that, that you buy in. That goes on to one end of the valve section. Yeah. Um, the bit that goes into the other end is also important. That's the bit you blow down, mm-hmm. um, which is the lead pipe, which is the long straight bit. And then there's a tuning slide bow, which enables you to tune it. Um, the bend of the tune-in slide is exactly the same as the as the bell. Um, it hasn't ceased to amaze me in 45 years of making instruments that an awful lot of the front bend and the back bend on instruments don't match. Oh. They are a completely different shape. I'm trying to think about my trumpet now. It's I can't... often a D shape at the front and a C shape at the back, and the two just don't yeah. look right together. I'm part of the sort of uniform look of getting an instrument to look slick mm. is to match up the bends. So it uh, looks like a spaceship. It's a bit, <laughs> yeah, I, I play guitar and it's so important that the top half of the guitar aesthetically matches the bottom half. So it's symmetrical, basically. Yeah, Ish. or at least yeah. it flows one into the other. Yeah. Uh, but an awful lot of brass instruments don't. And it just seems so stupid to me, <laughs> you know, that, if we're going to do a particularly, you know, a particular swoop at the tail end, we need a matching swoop, mm. but probably upside down the other way around at the front to complement the two, so that it all looks uniform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot don't. But anyway, because we can bend individual, we can do that. But it's exactly the same way. The the long bit, the the, the lead pipe, is either made from a tube. Um, which is forced through a whole load of ever-decreasing cre- decreasing rings and you end up with what looks like a, a golf club, mm. uh, only in miniature. And then you have to iron out all the little bumps and tidy it all up and uh, you end up with this sort of very slick little tapered piece of tube. All very clever. Um, we will do that, but our more normal way is to actually machine the whole thing out of one solid lump of brass. This usually starts at 14 or 16 mil. Uh, we drill a 9 millimeter hole all the way through. Um, how do you keep a drill straight for, like, 
11 inches. <laughs> you don't. Um, you drill from each end and meet in the middle. Nice. Okay. So you know each end is in the middle. Yeah. And uh, when they break in the middle, but we know that 9 mil is actually too small. Um, that's a starter. And then you can put the other size drills to step up. And because they're bigger, they will centre better. Cool. Uh, and then there's a great big long reamer, um, which is a fluted reamer for all you technophobes <laughs> out there. And um, very carefully, we peck that in. You can't just force it in because it will just smash up. Because uh, we've got a reamer here that's got 10 inches of blade on it. Yeah. And well. it's... And it, at one end it's nine mil, at the other end it's eleven point seven mil. That's in European. So any of you American Imperial listeners will have to sort of figure <laughs> that one out for yourselves. But that's a big long taper uh, uh, for for one reamer. But it does work if you're careful. Um, we do it that way for consistency, not just consistency of the cut but consistency within the material. If you make something out of tube that you have to keep manipulating and forcing through rings, you keep, um, as another manufacturer puts it, upsetting the integrity of the material. Okay, interesting. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so, thanks, Dave. Uh, um, this way, we don't upset the integrity of the material because... It's a solid piece and we're cutting away. We're not actually making the tube or the rod do anything. It's move. Right. Um, so it stays the same temper. It's the same temper all the way along. Uh, the molecular structure is not modified by heating it, belting it, cutting it, or any mm. of that kind of stuff. Um you did ask when you saw them, that looks a bit thick. Mm. Yeah. Well, the one you saw was it in its outer thick state. Right. What we will do for the lighter models is put it back in the lathe and trim off the outside right. to match the inside. So the wall thickness is usually about a mil when we do that. Right. Um, and that takes the weight back off. Yeah. And that's personal preference, is it, of the player? It's a personal preference. Um there does become a point where the instrument becomes a, literally a bit too heavy. Right. Um, heavy heavy instruments have their place, but they are very much the niche end of the market. They have a specific job to do. Um, yeah. They're not the most versatile when it comes to sound and performance. The job they do, they do incredibly well, better than a general purpose instrument will. Mm. Um, so it's horses for courses. If you want a race car, buy a race car. You know, you don't take your Citroen Berlingo around the racetrack. Um, it's the same thing with the, with the trumpet. Yeah. You know, if, we, if, if you build it lighter, you can't expect it to perform like a heavyweight. Mm. So, cool. yeah. So speaking of the integrity of the material... When you were showing me a brass bell that had just been stretched, mm. we could see that there was kind of surface roughness on the inside of the bell, and you said that that was the the grains of the material having been sort of yes. manipulated. Yeah, when you when you start stretching the brass, you start pulling apart the um, the alloy mix. It's a bit like soup, um, you know. <sighs> It's still got the vegetables in it. <laughs> I like um, where this is going. <laughs> yeah, but you're just sort of like pulling them apart into the unit parts. Um, and the, the the copper and the zinc will will um, stretch and manipulate at different rates. Mm. And so you will see 
um, defamation. That's another nice word, isn't it? Yeah. Defamation within the within the skin of the of the brass. Um, like stretch marks, basically. Stretch marks. Yeah. yeah. And it, it looks like orange peel. Yeah. Uh, it's like a bad paint job. Um, but like a bad paint job, you get rid of it. And you can get rid of it by squashing it and actually sort of forcing the bits back together again. Um, but if the marks are too deep, then they will start to um, ingress into the depth of, of whatever thickness you've got. So you do try to minimise that as much as possible. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So when you receive the brass from your supplier, I guess they've told you the alloy mixture that it should contain. But when you're actually working with it, is it always consistent or do you, is there an element of kind of improvisation in terms of how does this particular piece of brass in my hand differ from anything else? That is a terrific question. Um, all metal materials come with, like it's, it's a BS, um, that's British standard, not the other BS, <laughs> but it might as well be sometimes. <laughs> and I have a number. <laughs> And it might be like CZ one hundred one, or and anything that's got CZ one hundred one, you know, on the on the certificate, yeah. should comply within a plus or minus of that mix, right? Um, when you have a material that is sold in huge volumes, like certain steels for fabrication or building bridges and stuff, mm. that requirement is much narrower it's much much more specific and they have to stick to it because they don't really want to be sued by because the airplane's fallen out of the sky <laughs> right um well, uh, you understand all that when you get down to brasses particularly especially some of the more specialized ones 
that's a little bit variable okay. because although there is a standard that everything's supposed to comply to, the plus or minus is when you start looking at the small print, get bigger. Okay. Um, How big? So when it says it's got 5%, sorry, of 0.5% of phosphor in it, mm. it could be 0.3, it could be 0.7. Whoa, that's a lot when you're talking about 0.5. It is. Um, but their argument is... Well, out of the hundred percent of the material, that's naff all. But yeah, but if 0.5 it, makes it a does. difference, it, 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 that's why I said it's a very interesting question yeah. because it does make a difference. Uh, it makes a difference from batch to batch as well. Mm. Um, brass often comes out of rolling mills. Um, it's it's a molten material that's ironed out like pastry. Um, you only need a floor in the roll. And you've got a problem. Yeah, uh, you can't see that on the on the sheet until you cut it out and you start manipulating it. And you go, well, why are these all cracking in the same place? Oh. Go back to the sheet. Where did we cut on the sheet? Oh, look, I can just about see that line down there. Oh. And this happens. And once you've used the material, you've got no comeback. Yeah, they don't give you your money back. They don't say. <laughs> Well, we'll compensate you for two days' work that right. you just wasted because mm. the materials, right? Um, brass will crack, same reason. Um, so, yeah, it does vary. Um, batch to batch and mill to mill. Uh, mill to mill is probably more of a problem. If it's all come out the same mill, they tend to stick to the same routines all the time. Yeah. But sometimes it might have come out of a cheap mill somewhere. I'm not going to sort of stay where those mills are, but you can probably guess. Um, because in our game, it's trying to get a steady supply of a material that's a rare material mm. and it is in in world terms of what it's used for uh you just really have to take it where you can get it yeah so when you pick up a new batch do you do any sort of testing sort of simple bending to see what it's going to be um, like or do you just wing it and give it a go often you can tell within the first 10 minutes right it might be a bit the, the actual um when you buy sheets, you can often buy them in different tempers, which is soft, half hard, or hard. And we know what they're supposed to be like. And we prefer it soft because it, it, it negates the first part of the operation. You can just bend it with your fingers to start with. Yeah. Um, but quite often it, it's not soft okay. at all. <laughs> Even know? if they've sold it to you as soft. Even if they sold it as soft. Yeah. Um, and you phone them up and you say, you know, this isn't very soft. And they say, oh, well, we got it from <clears throat> Mill. You right. know, and, oh, here we go again. Yeah. You know. And I say, well, we've got, you know, a couple of hundred weight in that in stock for you for the next few years because you're the only customer who buys it. Yeah. And you think, okay, that means we've got to change our work practice again. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the integrity of the metal, an interesting one for those of you who are into this metology thing is um, – Woodworkers will often tell you about the wonder of grain. You go with the grain across the grain, and it makes a difference to the to the rigidity and the strength and what you can do with it. And you know, if you put an egg up this way, you can apply a lot more pressure than if you put it the other way around. And they poop anyone who works with metal for not understanding this. Mm. Can I swear? Yeah, that, that's total bollocks. <laughs> if you work with sheet brass that's come from a mill. It has a grain because it comes through the mill. It always goes through the same way, in the same direction. They don't turn it sideways like you would pastry to right. make it come out a bit more uniform or or bashing out round ingots for symbols where they're rolled in all directions. Mm. 
brass off the either off a main roll or in sheet form has a grain. It goes with the rollers. And you can see it if you look closely at the sheet when you get it. Can you? You can see it. Um, through experimentation, uh, we get the better results by cutting the the long part of the bell with the grain as much as possible. Yeah. It might not be the most economical way of using the brass up. Because of the shapes and fitting of, it into the, the size. Because of the shapes yeah. fitting it into the size of the sheets, yeah, which are limited, yeah. that you can get. Uh, and I'm pretty convinced that one of the reasons why a lot of mass-produced trumpets are variable is because of the economic way they cut. Ah, interesting. The the bell has the grain running a different way on one, mm. but when it's all shiny and lacquered and polished or silver plated and what, you can't see any of that. It's all gone, but it's still there. It's still in the material. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, brass and rolled aluminiums as well have a grain. Yeah. And they bend differently with the grain to against the grain. Um, it's easier to make it if you go with the grain. Yeah. And they sound better as well. Yeah. So the the direction of the grain will dictate kind of how strong it is in different directions yes. because of it coming off the mill in a certain direction yes. as well. Yes. That's super interesting. Um, so a lot of your trumpets are kind of um, unconventional shapes or weird and wacky shapes, as you said, to cater to... I guess like more modern types of players, like um, jazz players and yeah, people the, that are after non-conventional, non-traditional yes, there sounds. Is a, there is, a, there is a, um, the visual side of it to a point is jazz players, commercial players need an edge. They need an angle. Mm. And rather like um, wearing the right trainers or something uh it gets you noticed yeah so it's a case of oh yeah book him who's he he's no one's going to remember your name no but they will remember you're the guy with the blue star shaped trumpet <laughs> yeah. yeah like dizzy gillespie with like his dizzy gillespie you, pointy know, you, yeah, you bell, don't have yeah. to say dizzy gillespie you just say the guy who played the bent trumpet exactly and you know who it is yeah um well, the jazz world, the um, the, the com- especially the commercial side mm. of playing, uh, which is pretty much where the money is for professional players, is very very few um, orchestral players actually earn you know a good living out of it. They yeah. can scratch a living and teach on the side and stuff. Um, but the commercial guys can earn a living, but they do need an edge. Yeah. To some of them, it's how they dress. Right. To some of them, it's their instrument. Yeah. To some of them, it's just their attitude of yeah. being larger than life in your face. And you can't <laughs> forget them. Yeah. You might want to thump them, but... This is uh, why it's so fun being in brass sections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you hadn't noticed, um, go to the car park when the orchestra is playing. <laughs> And yeah. you'll see that the ridiculous, the sports cars and the motorbikes belong yeah. to the brass section. Almost certainly. They're always the bad boys of the band. I know, it's unfair. They're the bad boys. It's true. It's but an in, unfair in, reputation. In, in the world of rock and roll and commercial, they have to contend with the guitar players and the drummers and stuff, yeah. you see. So they have, you know, they've got to shout a little bit louder to be heard. <laughs> yeah. Know? And image is, is one of them. Yeah. And the sound, of course, is the other. Mm. Um, and quite often... To get the sound, yes, the player is responsible for the sound. The instrument is merely the tool he uses to produce that sound. But on the other hand, 
the easier the tool makes his job, the better he can be at it. Mm. If he's got to fight his instrument to get his sound, he's got a problem. Sure. So he needs the tools that will do the job as best they can for him and then the rest is up to him. Yeah. Or her. There <laughs> yes. are some very good hers. Exactly. Out there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So then the variables that you've got to play with when a player comes to you and says, I want to play louder, I want to play bigger, I want to play higher, whatever it is. Mm. Um, what are the variables that you're playing with? Because the shape actually won't necessarily always do no, that for you. No, the shape doesn't always do it. Materials, uh, bore size, um, to anybody who thinks, what are you talking about? That's the size of the tube within the trumpet itself. Um, the taper rate, which is the speed at which it gets from little end to big end mm. or up to size. And that's what helps the certain harmonics and sound that, waves yeah, that, get that, out. That enables, within reason, you can control the harmonic series with yeah. that. Um, if you go too far off the beaten track with the physics of it, then you start getting into dangerous territory uh, intonation-wise, right. i.e., are all the notes in the right places. They'll start sounding out of tune. Some of them will sound out of tune. Um, sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing mm. as long as you can control it. Okay. Um, the, the trumpet player has a, quite a lot of variable within his lip mm. to bend notes, but he doesn't want to be bending too many of no, them. No, it's tiring. <laughs> and if his, if his instrument is 95% there, yeah. he can tolerate correcting 5% of it. Yeah. Because you just know every time you take play a top B flat, I'm going to have to lip yeah, it up. I'm or just going to have to lip it up. Or, yeah. you know, uh, second valve, different harmonic will give me the same note, only more in tune. Yes, exactly. So we can we can control that that way. Volume wise, um, if you want to play loud, you need big. Yeah. You can't play loud on a small instrument. It's no. the, the actual constraint of the instrument size itself stops right. that. But it's much easier to play a small instrument in tune mm. than it is a big one. Yeah. The big one, you will be fighting to play it in tune. So you need a strong player. Um, and it's often, sometimes you just have to say, look, no. I know what you're trying to do, mm. but you're not good enough. You're not really good <laughs> enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, most, I'm a bit like a, uh, I'm a bit like, people giving their troubles to the hairdresser oh nice yeah yeah people come to you with their insecurities right yeah they'll they'll (laughs) tell me what they want and they'll tell me what and they think i know what they're talking about (laughs) i I sort of do although i can't actually do it if you know what i mean you know i'm a musician as well so i understand the 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 pressures they might be under Mm. but i don't fully appreciate the, the the physical side of playing a trumpet because it is a very physical instrument of all the instruments to play it is one of the most technically, physically demanding to play. Mm. Uh, it doesn't look it, but it is. Saxophone players have it easy. Basically, yeah. you just blow. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no risk. What you blow comes out the other end. Mm. When you play the trumpet um, and you see that guy going bright red in the face, <laughs> probably 10% of what he's actually effort is actually coming out the other end of the bell. Yeah. The rest is resistive. Yeah, I didn't That's, quite appreciate this ratio, but yeah, there's a the, huge amount of resistive forces inside the instrument. Yes, um, and the, there is a exponential um, uh, curve, if you like, for the amount of volume. Mm. 
the louder you want to play, the disproportionately more effort you have to put in (laughs) to do it. Yeah. Playing it quiet is actually far more efficient Mm. because more of what you play, well, more of what you're producing in your mouth, in your your lungs, is going through the instrument. Um, But to play loud requires 10 times more effort. Yeah. Um, We can make that job a little bit easier with the design of the instrument and make more of it count. Yeah. Um, So how has trumpet making changed throughout your career, do you think? How has it changed throughout my career? A very, very slow acceptance that there are other ways to do it. Okay, which is what you've been saying all along, isn't it? Which is what I set out to do. Yeah. Um, Over the years, I'm not the only one who's uh, who's going along that route. Um, I'm I've been doing it a long time now, so I'm now I'm the old guard. (laughs) You know, I'm the one. I'm one of the early pioneers of attempting to sort of show a different way of doing things mm. which have now become acceptable and now there's the new boys coming along who are ready to hopefully and now i sh- i could be bitter and say steal my thunder but i'm not <laughs> i'm going to say it's up to them to pick up the mantle mm. and take it to the next step whatever yeah. that is so i i like to encourage them I've had some of them in my workshop and teach some of them, you know, some of the tricks to, of what we do and, and, and how to sort of supercharge the whole thing. Um, and now it's up to them because I'm not going to be around for that much longer uh, for them to sort of say, right, well, we've got the ball now. Yeah. Um, can, can you predict what the next future trends are going to be for trumpet making? Can I predict? Um I can't predict, but I would like to think that more space age materials okay. will get used. The technology is there. The problem with space age materials is costs, not of the material itself, but of manipulating those materials. What sort of materials are you talking uh, about? Titaniums are good. Um, ceramics. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. What, like kind of um, carbides and that kind of um, stuff? Ceramics are harder, better against friction and wear than any metal. True. And they are an absolute perfect material for valves. Yeah. They don't need oil in. (laughs) Yeah. And they'll work forever. But... Why don't we have Why ceramic Why don't valves? anybody use it? It's, it is cost. Um, I've seen the the opera, uh, how complicated it is to make a complex shape, which mm. a valve is, yeah, yeah. a complex shape with passageways and stuff out of ceramics. Um, it's hard enough doing a straightforward push-in, push-out piston. <laughs> yeah. And they do make them for the space program. All oh, the really? space rockets use ceramic valves for the for the oxygen and the gas and whatever it is rocket fuel right that makes sense yeah, yeah. they can't have somebody up there with a tin of duckums and an oiling can <laughs> sort of making sure it works so they use this stuff because it's it's linear expansion rate is fantastic mm. um i've seen the valves themselves because i know somebody who makes the valves some of the valves for the um 
challenger for the space shuttles. No way. Uh, he's shown me the fit of these things. And uh, even over a few inches, you can't actually pull that right out. You'll, you'll stretch the air a little bit, but it is so airtight and it's still moving. Absolutely wow. fantastic. That kind of technology. Yeah. But it's got to become cheaper and it's got to become more mainstream before anybody would would contemplate using it on something as low volume as a, as a brass instrument. Right. Which, in let's face it, in world terms, a few thousand units is nothing. No. They've got to be making millions of components, a bit like the electronics in the mobile phone. Sure. You know, what that thing can do, the only reason that we've got them is because they can sell billions of them. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it wouldn't bother. Mm. Um, that's one aspect. Um, non-rotable materials, a bit like titanium on lead pipes and things. Yeah. It's nice and hard, so you can keep the weight down, You can, um, which is not a bad thing. No. If you can keep the structural integrity of the of the material nice and hard as well, and you can do that with thinner walls with materials like that, right? And you can't dent it anywhere near so easy. <laughs> yeah, my trumpet's pretty <laughs> dented. So all your repairs dented. out there, tough. You know? <laughs> yeah, bells can be made out of tougher materials than brass. Mm. The bronze bells are a bit more resistant to dents, but they still do dent. Um, they're buggers to make because <laughs> the material is so much harder. Uh, but the reward is there in the sound. They're great. Mm. Um, people are using stainless steel in some instruments now, which is good. Um, but it can go further than that. Yeah. It can go further than that. Um, solder um, is, is another pain. You spend half your time cleaning it up after you've made the joint so that it looks pretty to you, you know, to the person who picks it up. Otherwise, they're going to say, what's this? Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, um, epoxy glues and bonding them together, not nice. soldering them together. Right. There's some fantastic... Um, glues for aluminium oh really Ooh. i mean sports car chassis the lotus elise was the first car to have a fully glued chassis no way that's cool yeah they they, they don't weld wings on airplanes anymore they glue them on yeah <laughs> so the technology in the glue is there um the problem is those glues don't work on brass i oh, really they don't stick very well why not I don't know. Weird. There's just a bit more development work got to go on there. Yeah. But like I say, unless anybody can see the dollar at the end of all the research, why are they going to bother? Sure. Yeah. But that's the direction I'd like to see it go in. That's super interesting. Uh, another, I mean, people think I'm taking the piss when I mention solenoids on valves. Tiny motors. Yeah. So you've got no spring. You don't actually have to move your finger that far because when you move your finger on the valve, you are actually moving your finger the full length of the travel of the valve yeah. down to the next port, which is 15 millimetres. Well, yeah. Imagine if you only had to move it two. You could play much quicker. You could play much quicker. <laughs> then you've got to have lightningly fast motors. Yeah. Battery technology is fine. No weight. It can just sit on the side of the, of the valve section. Mm. The valves don't even have to be... Blocked together, they can be in the most conveniently acoustically spaced along the instrument to be in the right place, not to mess up the intonation. And where would that be? Do what? you know? Well, uh, 
you've put all the turbulence in one area in the instrument, right in the middle. Yeah, when you have them right next to each other. Yeah, which yeah. is a necessity if you're going to play it with three fingers. Yeah. Um, but if you could spread them out a bit and sort of iron out that so it's a smoother transition through the instrument, Yeah. they could be anywhere. Well, a bit like the first key trumpets had the keys yes. evenly spaced along the instrument and then the keys, the mechanism of the keys allowed the player to have their fingers in hand shape. Yeah, like saxophone. Yeah, exactly yeah. like saxophone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the, 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 the conventional brass mouthpiece and keys like that, Yeah. unless you're a brilliant, <laughs> if you ever heard anyone play those things, you got to be damn good to yeah. make them sound good. Yeah. But yeah, you can use a normal a normal type valve. It doesn't have to be a piston. It could be rotary. Mm. It could be it, it could be a, um, a a triangular D shaped valve. It could be tiny. Yeah. No, not much bigger than the tube itself, and a tiny little motor on it. It doesn't need stops because the motor would stop it in exactly the right place. This is. I want to see this type of technology. That's cool. Involved. Nice. Motorised trumpets. So the, the, in 20, 30 years' time, the trumpet could be unrecognisable as a trumpet. Yeah, and it's actually not so beyond the realms of possibility because it's the trumpet... All for, it's all feasible now. Yeah. It's just investment. Right. It's investment in the materials, it's investment in the technology, the valves, the motors. Mm. It's all out there. Yeah. Is hoping someone does it. Yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> going to be me, but that's what I'd like to see. That's what I can see could be done. Brilliant. So final question. You earlier showed me some of your sort of most recent or like some good examples of your kind of custom trumpet work. Which is your favourite trumpet that you've made? Uh, I've been asked that one quite a few times and mm. I'll give you the same answer. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> Amazing. It has to be the next one, otherwise I wouldn't come into work in the morning. Yeah, fair enough. When you've been doing a job like this for 40 years... Um, you need something to, you know, aspire to do and pushing the boundaries all the time is the the bit that keeps me coming back, keeps me doing it. Um, we make one and we go, yeah, that's great. But wouldn't it be great if we just change that around a little bit or we could, we could, we could make that bit a bit sexier look in there. Mm. And so, yeah, the next one. So that was my conversation with the marvellous Andy Taylor. I'm so grateful to him for hosting me for the day and for showing me around and for speaking to me for this podcast. If you want to check out some of the trumpets that Andy has made, then you can have a look on his website. That's just taylortrumpets.com. And they've also got a Facebook page. If you just search for Taylor Trumpets on Facebook, then you'll be able to see some of their up-to-date makes. So that's all for this episode of Handmade. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review it in all the possible places that you can rate and review podcasts. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Dave Shepard for our marvellous new cover art and to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next time, I'll be talking to a professor of tree rings called Valerie Truet about wood. But until then, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week on Handmade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.